Welcome back, everybody, to A Servant's Heartbeat. My name is Kristen. Thank you for listening and allowing me to share my heartbeat for the kingdom of God with you. All right, so last week we discussed the importance of remembering that you have been chosen for a purpose. And this week we want to build on that. So if you didn't get to catch last week's episode, go back to listen to that one, um, Chosen for a Purpose. All right, so last week we left off with 2 Peter 1 verse 5 through 10. And the plan for today is to dig in specifically to verse 5 and talk about virtue and knowledge. But before we do that, a brief summary to kind of recap what has led us to this point that we're going to talk about today. So another verse that we we discussed last week was 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this verse says that we are chosen. Well, chosen to do what? So according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, ye are chosen to do what? For all the Bible quizzers out there, that feels like a 10-point question. <laughs> we are chosen to show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, that word praises perhaps goes a little bit deeper than what one might think on the surface. So perhaps it's deeper than just coming to church and lifting or clapping my hands. In this particular verse, praises literally means to show forth the excellence of character of the one who called us. Excellence of character. Well, how in the world do you do that? How do you show forth the excellence of God's character, the one who called us? Well, it's this question that brings us to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. But before we jump into verse 5, we're going to start at verse 1, because Peter says a few things that help give reason or purpose to our calling. So 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, verse 3 says some things here according as his divine power hath given unto us. So to pause here for a second and emphasize, we are given something here. What are we given? The verse continues, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So to pause for a second, I'm not just studying to say, I know some stuff about the Bible. <laughs> I am studying this word because it teaches me how to live. 
It's got some things in here. The Lord has some things for us that pertain to life. It shows me how to live. So continuing in this verse, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So now we're seeing that word again, virtue. So looking at verse three, we are called to glory and virtue. And virtue here, just like in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, means excellence of character. Now, continuing to verse 4, whereby are given, well, there we're given something again, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by those great and precious promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So to summarize that, everything that we are about to talk about related to virtue and knowledge is backed up by this right here. This is the reason. This is the purpose. Verse three, we're given all things that pertain to life and godliness, and we're called to glory and virtue. There's purpose in that. Verse four, we're given exceeding great and precious promises. Why is that? What reason is behind that? That we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world. To put it another way, God wants to share some things with us to help us grow and to teach us how to live. Doesn't matter if it's helping me grow and learn to live all the way to the rapture or all the way to the grave. This right here is preparing us to hear him say, well done. So with all of that said, this brings us to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And beside this, that means considering everything he just said. And beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So before we go digging into virtue, I want to draw your attention to the phrase or the statement, add to your faith. In the KJV, this is translated with the English words, add to. But there are other translations in, in dictionaries that instead of using add to, the words are used such as supply, equip, to furnish, produce, or provide. And I bring this up because I think this helps us understand how we are going to apply what this verse says. So for example, when you need to make sure something is furnished, when you need to supply something or equip something or produce something, it usually is not for free. <laughs> it's going to cost you something. So with that in mind, adding to your faith is going to cost you something. You're investing in your faith. We're adding some things to our faith. For our church family that heard pastors preaching this past Thursday, this made me think about those expensive choices that he was teaching about. So in short, wrong and right choices 
come with a cost. It's going to cost you something. But choices for God are always cost efficient. I don't want a cheap commitment to my faith in God. I want to be willing to invest in the right choices for God, but it will cost me something. So as we continue to talk about virtue and knowledge here, be aware that this comes with the cost, not in a sense to discourage, but to think that the cost, the investment that I'm going to put in right now in adding these things to my faith is well worth it in the end. There's a much greater return. Being found a faithful servant is is not a cheap thing. It comes with those exceeding great and precious promises that are well worth any sacrifice that I could ever make while on this earth. It's going to be worth it all. So, Let's talk virtue. Now, virtue is not a word that we use on a regular basis, or at least I'm assuming you don't use it on a regular basis, but maybe that's just me. I mean, I can't recall the last time I said, hey, sis, that's some great virtue. <laughs> you know, I just, I haven't, I haven't had that conversation recently. So to add to the rare use of this word, virtue, in the KJV, virtue is only mentioned in six verses. And if we want to add virtuous and virtuously, well, that bumps the verse count up to 10. But considering all the other verses in the Bible, this is not going to be among the top word that you will read or come across in your reading. So this got me to spending a little bit of time with old Miriam and good old Webster. And they tell us that virtue has some synonyms or words that have a similar meaning to virtue. Some examples are goodness, excellence, quality, and power. And these really aren't that far off from the biblical uses of the word virtue. For example, in the Gospels, when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment, Jesus asked, who touched me? Because he perceived virtue, power, had gone out of him. And in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, it says, add to your faith virtue. So what could this mean and what does it look like in application? Virtue is moral excellence or goodness. It's a character or quality that can progress the development of our faith. This excellence, this goodness is more than just trying to make sure you don't make bad choices or mistakes. Sometimes we can get so caught up in trying to do no wrong that we don't pursue the right. So virtue is a pursuit of what is right and what is good in the sight of God. It's not about trying to never make mistakes. So don't get discouraged by that word excellence. It doesn't mean I'm living a flawless lifestyle. Lord knows I ain't. But rather, it's a consistent movement toward what God wants me to be. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark. I am in pursuit, constant movement 
toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a constant movement toward the person God wants me to be. And it's this movement that will help lead me toward that excellence of character, being Christ-like, being a Christian. And sometimes we hear those words today and they're thrown around so freely, it's almost like it's lost its true meaning and effect. But Lord, take me back to what it means to be a true Christian and servant of God. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Developing virtue is something for us to work on. It's a good work. A work for us to do is to add to our faith. And as a side thought, could this be something that ties into what James said? Faith without works is dead. I don't want a stagnant faith, but rather a growing faith, a developing faith. Faith is that foundation that is intended to be built upon. So add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue. Now let's talk about knowledge. So knowledge can apply to so many things and has such a vast range of meaning. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but Daniel prophesied of a time when many would run to and fro and knowledge would be increased. Well, uh, guys, I, I, I think we're here. <laughs> I think we're there. <laughs> knowledge is definitely increased and folks is running around like crazy. <laughs> so the access to knowledge has increased. And good or bad, that increased knowledge is literally at the tips of our fingers. We hold those devices every day. So knowing how vast a meaning that knowledge can have, what kind of knowledge is Peter referring to in this verse? I don't think he's talking about some deep thinker knowledge that, you know, you, you have to have an IQ of 200 to, to think on this level. And you know, I don't think he's talking about that. You know, while being that smart has its place, <laughs> perhaps Peter is referring to a knowledge that is simply growing. It's not stagnant. It is simply growing. So Peter concluded in his letter by saying in 2 Peter chapter 3, 18, but grow, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It's an invitation to grow. You may have heard this phrase before, somebody being so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Well, that's not the knowledge it's talking about here. I think the knowledge Peter is referring to has a practical application. It's a knowledge of who God is, what he likes, what he dislikes, what his good pleasure is. And it's knowing these things that help me to know God better. My relationship with him has a, a greater depth and meaning because of this growing knowledge of who he is. It's, it's this kind of knowledge that gives discernment and discretion 
in our day-to-day lives. It's more than just knowing what the good book says, but I also know how to apply it in life's situations. I can make those tough yet right decisions knowing, simply knowing that it pleases the Lord because I know he delights in this thing or that thing because I know what he delights in and what he is asking of me based on his word. Now, something else to note, this knowing is not based on our feelings. Feelings can be fickle. I'm not in this walk by my feelings. I am trying to walk by faith. And by adding knowledge to my faith, I can stand on what I know to be true and not on what I think I feel. (laughs) Adding knowledge to our faith comes by experiences, such as time in his presence or time in his word. And it's those experiences or moments with the master where God can begin to reveal himself to us, reveal things about himself to us. Adding knowledge involves learning and learning obedience. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, take my yoke upon you and learn, there's some knowledge there, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. To reiterate a point that was made before, this is going to cost us something. To take his yoke upon me and learn, grow in knowledge of him, I've got to disconnect from something. I can't be yoked to the Lord and yoked to things of this world at the same time. And it's not to say that living for God is hard. He even told us in the next verse, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when I want to do my own thing and break away from his yoke because of my strong will or knuckleheadedness or lack of obedience, whatever you want to call it, well, that's when things get hard. Proverbs thirteen fifteen: good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Now, this doesn't mean that every day living for the Lord is going to feel like, you know, a walk in the park. But these experiences are character building trials. Our trials are not in vain. We continue to add to our faith. (laughs) And one day we'll hear him say, well done. Now, to wrap all this up, this is a continuation from our focus last week. So we have been discussing that we are chosen and that we have a purpose in God. And sometimes we can find ourselves in this ineffective rut and we feel like we aren't called to anything. I'm not called to this field or I'm not called to that purpose. So what am I to do? We may not all be called to an upfront role or position. However, we are all called. Every one of us (laughs) are called to grow. We're called to grow, to grow our faith by adding to it virtue and to virtue knowledge, not a stagnant faith, 
but a growing faith. And next time, we'll continue this discussion by adding temperance, patience, and godliness. You've been chosen for a purpose. Again, it may not be some upfront role or position, but we all, every one of us, have a calling to grow.